Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is April 5th, 2017. Tonight we have on Kevin Patton, who's coming from uh, the area of Los Angeles, California, and he's going to call in. I think he's calling in now, and we're going to talk about uh, how he was forced to attend Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, you know, I was talking to a woman today um, somewhere in the marina, and she didn't have any, you know, was really surprised and shocked to hear that people who get a DUI are all for, forced to go. And there is uh, news today that was in U.S. News World and Report about Stephanie Seymour. She had to go to, um, well, she agreed to a year-long program that was uh, because she got a DUI. And if we look down, you know, when we read the whole little story here, um, to get the charges erased, Seymour had to successfully complete outpatient alcohol abuse treatment, attend AA meetings twice a week, and meet twice with victims of drunk driving accidents. Um, she had to meet just two times with victims of drunk driving accidents, but she had to go to Let's see, 52 times 2 would be 104 AA meetings. That's pretty horrible. Um, I mean, it's a lot easier than going to jail, but nobody seems to go to jail unless they uh, harm somebody. And uh, I don't think they should go to jail for just driving, but uh, drunk or driving and intoxicated. But here we go. I'm going to have, I'm going to call right here, and we're going to get Kevin on the line. There we go. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Monica. How are you doing? I'm doing well enough. Thanks for having me on your show. Sure. I'm glad you reached out and said you wanted to do it, and I haven't had a lot of shows lately, so you'll get me rolling again. Well, it's just because I wrote this awesome essay for my blog. If I could be a total mercenary, I'll plug it. It was I wrote. Yes, I write pl- for please, please plug it. Go ahead, plug it. <laughs> it's a I wrote a libertarian blog called Strike the Root. I contribute to it. And I um, I had experience with AA for like since probably about 2013, and mm-hmm. I started doing my research on it after my experience. I put together this essay. It's called About Anonymous Alcoholism: Notes on the Cultocracy. To give mm-hmm. you listeners something to read. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. You know, 
So tell me, um, so we go back to 2013. Tell us and the listeners what happened to you then. Well, I'm like many people in the country who like to drink, and uh, I did find myself in some trouble with it. And my, I did have a DUI beginning in 2013. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that I think that set, my, set off my first round of um, 12-step classes that were mandated by the courts. I've um, And I attended those, and they weren't so bad. I mean, you attend AA because it's been it's just a theory of mine that you know the, the, the state mostly just wants to see people jump through hoops mm-hmm. and just to abide, and they like to you know just send them on the hamster wheel, and that's what I was doing. And it's not so bad, but you know it, it was only after um, I was went to a, a meeting at a church one time over in in my area, and um, it was actually empty. There was nobody there except wow. for me and one guy. And one lady, and he had we had a, we were having a nice conversation for probably about half an hour, and it's great she's just on my court card and whatnot. And then uh, then he just blurted out that he knew a pedophile that was that would have been attending AA, and that he had also looked at it. He had glanced at pedophilia. You know, oh, you don't well. get a glance at pedophilia; you have to go look for it. You know, so right. uh, it's kind of odd. So oh uh, I got up immediately. And I, I left left the conversation very abruptly, very quickly, and I left. And I, I went to another meeting, a larger meeting, uh, which I will not disclose right now. <laughs> and uh, I actually got somewhat kicked out of that meeting because I went intoxicated. And uh, I went outside and I started talking to some of the guys. And there was a speaker there, one of the, some what maybe Ken Rag would call an elder, somebody who had been had done their time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he was a guest speaker there, and I told him my my story, I tell him some of my grievances with a Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'd asked him, I said, well, I, said, I just talked to this dude the other day and so on and so forth. And he said, uh, yeah, of course, you know, those people are inside here all the time, kind of like shrugs it off. Like, of course, you know. Yeah. And, I, and then that's that's when I really started Googling and started paying attention. And um, that's when I, I came across two items which really uh, interest me. One was uh, Ken Reg's book, The Real AA, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and your project, uh, The 13th Step. Mm-hmm. And at, at that time, your film was still in development, right? And uh, really, it was kind of like an eye opener. Like, like, like good Lord, I, I got Rag's book and I, I read through it and I, I learned that the origins of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was really came it stemmed from a fundamentalist Christian sect by Frank Butchman, who was a uh, Nazi sympathizer. Right, and, uh, right. It was a lot. There was a lot that uh, that perturbed me. About it, especially coming from a, a very anti-statist position, and, mm-hmm. and realizing that you know the state really sends a lot of people inside of there that aren't yeah. looking for help. They just want to see people just jump through hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, addiction is one of these things. Like if you don't want help, you know, if you don't, if you're, if you're kind of happy in the rut that you're in, what's yeah. the point of sending you inside of a, of a place where you can really cloak or hide your habits, your bad habits, your um, uh, with un, under the under the guise of anonymity, you know, it's, it's not my fault, right? It's, it's the fault right, of right. the disease or something like that. That's very troublesome. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that the Frank Buckman stuff, I had no idea uh, until I was, I think, gone. You know that I left and I was in it for so long, right? As you know, and I was started to read about him and the Oxford. Groups and it's so funny. It's like they really had to separate themselves. When you I just watched this whole documentary series, it was like a four-parter about Hitler. 
last week, I think it was on the American Heroes Channel. And wow, it was just because I started to think of AA being formed, like, you know, um, Prohibition ended in 33, and 35 AA was founded, but Hitler was already at it. So, I mean, I didn't know so much about Hitler, but it was like, for the first, I mean, I know a lot of people really would get on these rants about the connection with you know, AA brainwashing or the type of thing and how, you know, um, Frank Buckman really looked up and, uh, like, liked Hitler. But he was already, like, in full swing in, in action there in Germany, right? Um, he was the leader right, for, I guess it was, like, 13 years um, before it all ended over there. But I, I was really, you know, how over the years since I've left, really perturbed how fast the brainwashing is in AA and wondered like why is it so fast how does it happen so fast and then when you when I learned about the history of him um, and, and also that Bill Wilson got somebody pointed this out actually in the Facebook group you know that he didn't get sober on his own he actually went into a hospital he was like treated yeah. by a doctor in a hospital where they were treating chronic alcoholism and right. so for these people who you know, have, how AA has, like, evolved into, like, into something that someone does without any medication is so full of shit because they are so drugged them for 48 hours. with like It was like a cocktail of, like, really serious mm. stuff. So you woke up two days later, which is the way to do it, right? And then you haven't had a drink, but you've been drugged, um, and you're, like, sleeping it off in a, in a nice, peaceful way. And then, anyway... It's really, yeah, it's pretty scary, and um, I'm glad that there's more books and P- and articles, you know, and Gabriel Glaser's work, and yeah, I'm really glad. And so I was really happy when I met you. Uh, we met at the Beverly Hills uh, Film Festival, that to meet mm-hmm. another person, you know, that that's up. So you you get sent and you go through, which is so disturbing. Your first meeting, you hear a guy talk about pedophilia. That's like really frightening. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't the first meeting. I mean. For the first, I, I think it was actually towards the end of my stint, my first 30 days with it. And yeah. I, I was, I think like most people, like just kind of realize, just kind of push it off, have this nonchalant attitude towards AA. Like, you know, you see so many people go to the meetings, they'll get done with it, and they'll just run to get their court cards, and they'll just get out of the room. And that was right. me. Like, okay, well, just just go through the rounds. Just just please the guy in the black robe. And that was me. Uh, but uh, then you realize that they, the courts, when they do this, when they when they send so many people, and I think I read your petition, it was about 150,000 people a year who are being sent inside there, and these people were very serious crimes. Yeah, and right. And that that is that is troublesome, very troublesome, of course. Right, right. And I, I I just I don't think that the majority of people you're I mean we're talking about cults, and I mm-hmm. think that was the word that was uh, used by the founder founder of Rational Recovery. Uh, was Jack Jack Trimpey? He called it a cultocracy, and um, it's mm-hmm. kind of a loose definition there. I mean, cults are—it's kind of a word that gets thrown around a lot. Right. But it can't be. I mean, AA can't exactly be defined as a cult because it's so loosely organized. There's no central leader. There's no black sites. You can go. You and I are talking right now. We're not going to be worried of being uh, run down the streets or anything like that. That's not exactly the way a cult would work, but it, it, it's it's the way that it is so dogmatic in the sense that their their doctrine doesn't change. When yeah. you have a drink, that's your birthday. There's no such thing as moderate drinking, and yeah, you have right. to give yourself up to God. And people just they kind of take on that role. The people who are the the elders they stand up in the room, and they they assume the position of authority, 
and they're the mm-hmm. ones who lay down, you know, what, what, what you should do, what you should not do. That's the way, the way it becomes sort of mimicking a cult in, in a sense. Well, no, I think that it's very cult- cultish. I think it's uh, – it, I do agree. Like there's – I mean, I say it easily that it's a cult, and I would say that it's a cult stronger than I did, say, two or three years ago, was, was when I was talking to Rachel Bernstein, that it isn't the same kind of level of cult that, um, you know, say the people who drank all the Kool-Aid and, and killed themselves or the cultishness about, uh, you know, Scientology. But it is cult-like in that, you know, and Rachel said, like, there's markers for what they call, you know, toxic groups, if you want to call it that, that if somebody tells you that only we can help you, that's a sign of, of a toxic group or a cult. If someone says if you mm-hmm. ever leave here that you're going to uh, dr- drink um, to the point of it's going to ruin your life, go insane or be imprisoned, then that's a cult. And that uh, if somebody says you can never leave here and be okay, that also is a cult, and it also has a lot of loaded language that seems very benign in the beginning, but um, in the end, it isn't. And I really see it in this deprogramming group. I don't know if you're in it, but you know, I really see it with people who have actually been in this group for a little while now who are still suffering from like things I'm not suffering from anymore. You know what I mean? Like, There's people mm-hmm. that talk about things, and I'm going... Is it, you know, did I I read 15 books and that it helped or that I sat across from so many victims that that's why I'm not brainwashed anymore or that I did these shows for like five years. I've done 280, whatever, 200 shows like where I read the book and and like looked at it and said, what the horse shit is this that I don't experience like any of that anymore that I am completely. So if you don't have to be deprogrammed, I mean, I agree with you, you know, we're not disagreeing, but I'm just saying that there it's not. As bad, but in one sense, it's really bad because everybody's sent there. So everybody's not sent to Scientology or to the Mormon religion or right. to you know Weight Watchers. But uh, you know, 1.4 million. I don't know what the numbers are now, but they were like in 2010, 1.4 million people got a DUI and were sent to Alcoholics Anonymous. And then you have another number that I don't know which is every pilot, every nurse, every doctor who um, not, not only doesn't get in trouble, but anyone who actually seeks help are actually all sent to Alcoholics Anonymous in a way that you would never tolerate, uh, Keeper would never tolerate, I would never tolerate. My husband, if you would have treated us like the pilots or the nurses and said, you have to go three times a week and you have to sign this and you can't do this, 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 and this, or you can't fly again. Like That was the part that I still get so upset about that I can't stop the activism, Kevin. Right. And I, you know I what I mean? That's that. I do absolutely. I think that's an excellent point, and well, thank you for making the differentiation. I mean, people are not sent to Scientology. People who go to those kind of cults, they get wrapped up inside. They're searching some kind of spiritual awareness or something like that. Right. It's not right. the same thing as having an addiction or having a problem with a substance and then being mm-hmm. sent there and then being fed all this stuff. It's much different because people who are having addiction, they're obviously much lower than someone who is seeking out God, let's say, or somebody else, or who who it might be. That's it is it is much different, and when people yeah. are at their lowest like that, they're 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 uh, subject to all kinds of programming, and that definitely does go inside there. And you you then you go inside one of these meetings, and you get hit with something that hey look at everybody else looks at as as the savior. I mean this is a great program it saves all kinds of people. You get mm-hmm. somebody, and you've met a lot of them who are very charismatic. They know this book inside out. They know that right, right. The, the big the, the big book is not a lone book. It's not a single book. There's a whole canon of books. In, mm-hmm. with AA, and uh, they know them inside and out, and they can talk a really good game. And they're convinced you have a genuine disease, some personality disorder. This is not some kind of rewiring of the brain. You are sick. 
I mean, if you can be fed all that stuff, there's, I mean, there's, there's nothing else that you probably couldn't be fed, you know. Right. right. So I think that that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, I think it's really uh, that's the part that makes it um, so infested as an institution. So AA to me, and I'll get like emails still, will, you know, will say that no AA has no central authority or this. I'm like, what? Like, what the? What the flock are you guys talking about? Like maybe they, you know, if you watch my movie, you can see the big building I go into it. They have at least the whole floor on, you know, the one floor that I went to. Um, I know mm. they have other places because they have other things happening, right? They have the, the money machine of them making all the books. But, you know, it is a multi-million, you know, whether it's 12 million or 9 million that they bring in from, the, you know, the people who drop dollars into the basket. And then those secretaries and treasurers, you know, divvy it up and send 10% off to New York. And then, you, but the thing that I think is so crazy is that the the link then it has with the GSRs, and 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 when they try to say, no, they're all separate entities, it's like, then why do you have a GSR, general service rep? You have it, and, and that's exactly the purpose of it. If you read the pamphlet, that it's our link from the general service office down to your, you know, your little group, and then you have your DCM, your district committee member, and you have your area, and you have your delegate, and you have your Pacific Regional Service Assembly. And I've been to those things, and that's like political. Like I think the people who designed it, they did it right. Like the, not, not just exactly, maybe like we have senators and how you divide up states. But they knew, like, they know how the circuit court is. Like, actually, the districts are divided the same way the circuit courts were similar to them. I was like, dude, you, this is, like, really big. It's huge. And when I yeah. brought CBS, you know, with me and my, my assistant for the film to that prasa, they were like, oh, my God, like, this is really highly organized. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And they just pass it off to everybody else. Like, oh, this is very amorphous. This is very disorganized. It's all... You know, self-organized. You can you can uh, you know do what you want, but it is organized, like you say. You obviously know far more about it than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, and when you looked at that, I mean, Bill Wilson was very much respected in the medical industry after a while. I mean, he went and spoke before Congress. Uh, Nixon got himself presented with the millionth copy of alcohol of the Big Book, and uh, it, it's very much really. I mean, you have a bunch of court court rulings. Oh yeah, no, very much. Uh, what was the other book that I I done for my research was uh, The Sober Truth by Mr. Doctor Dodies. That's a great book too. Well, yeah, I and, read uh, he, that, but I don't remember. Oh my God! So, so, can you say that again? The whole part with Nixon and the, say say that one more time for our listeners. Yeah, uh, it was. Let me, oh, I'm scanning my article here, but that was um, what year was that? Of course, they got the the big the first the big push was the Saturday Evening Post article that came out by Jackie Alexander in 1941, and then after that had happened, then he got uh, then uh, Bill Wilson, of course, the other founder, had died in 1950. Uh, doc, uh, right. uh, and then uh, Nick Nixon got presented with a millionth copy. I think it was 1971. He got presented with it. Well, well. Uh, so that would explain, like, I think when you get these people who, um, if, if he loved it, oh. and then you bring these people who didn't drink. You know, we have another president now who doesn't drink, and um, we have a vice president who says that he doesn't drink. And it's really scary because it's you know, even though I wouldn't say that. You know, I can't assume that, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? I mean, I don't know any of that. I can't find anything that would say it, but it would be like the black and white kind of thinking that he has and the way he – everything is tremendous and everything is like – you know, the wording is so – reminds me of AA people, you know, that kind of uh, really, really black and white thinking, 
circular thinking. I think Sean Spicer especially talks to me like um, like a stepper, bringing yeah, really? up what the truth is. Yeah, no, it's my truth. No, I, it's your truth. No, I, it's I yeah, your your any, truth. Yeah. <laughs> I think to be any kind of politician at all, you have to have some measure of insanity, and you have to. Have, uh, someone has to diagnose you at some point. I, I don't think there's very few sane politicians. That's my honest. I don't know. You know what? I I think there are a lot. You know, I think that we have like Karen Bass, who's a representative of my area. I've met her. I've gone to her uh, town hall meetings. Really sane, really grounded woman. I think we have Kamala Harris, who just was elected Senate. I mean, I've even seen Diane Feinstein talk really sane on the floor about what happened to the. You know what I mean? There, there's some really mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders. Like, but I think there is a, another group of them that I would say, you know, uh, there's a basket full of whatever going on there. But, uh, um, yeah, no, I think that you're, you're – that's really amazing. So what are some of the other things you found out in the process of writing this essay? Well, let me ask you, what prompted you to write the essay? Like, how did you get you know, to this place where you said, i got to write about this? Well, I've, I've always been adverse to religion my entire life. I've, I've just – that's been my – primary impulses. I think that religion is completely irrational. I think that I think that you and I and everybody else would be better off if we got past doctrinal uh, dogmatisms that we hold very dear. And that doesn't mean just faith in God or even skepticism about a God. I'm talking about doctrines that cannot be uh, cannot be altered, cannot be skeptical towards. And uh, and then when I realized that uh, alcohol science was entirely religious based and it was going against one of my main principles, which would be separation of church and state, and I just, I just, I've been, but just it's, it's within me. And I, mean, I see something that uh, even closely gets close to, uh, to, uh, to uh, state merging with religion, or theism. And I, I, I shriek and I, <laughs> I get very upset. And I think it was AA. How obviously, how obviously it was, it was that that was, and. Then I, I read Rag's book, and then I, I saw your film, and I said, well, this is these mixing, mixing these two things together. The idea of addiction with anonymity is terrible combination. It's going to lead to a lot of problems, very obviously, as people are not getting the help that they need, not in large mass, and people are probably right, getting right. hurt. There's, there's probably a net loss in this program. So I just started doing my research with it. And I, and then actually what happened was I was – I was – the, again, ordered to go, to attend AA. This in um, 2016. It was 2016. I want to say it was mm-hmm. 2015. It was in 2015, and this was for a case that was a little bit more personal to my life, involving a CPS case. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also told me that I had to attend uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. mm, doesn't really get to. Uh, pay attention to that. I mean, there's a lot of people who are very sincere in the program. They think it will help people. But I right. thought it was a complete and utter waste of time. Right, right. I remember when that and happened so to just, you. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I what did you do with that again? That. I mean, this, this, maybe there's some stuff you can't say on the phone here, but how did you deal with that again with them? Because I know we talked a little bit uh, during that period, um, but it was really... Um, so I think it's interesting that even... And, and and you see it in TV shows, but I see it, you know, through people like yourself and a friend of mine in Ohio, where just everybody is told to go there. Like, um, if you're waiting for a new liver, like she said, you have they have you know, tell people they have to go to like AA. What the hell? Is that right? Yeah, like, well, I mean, it, it was it, it, the details of it. Yeah, like she, 
like if someone had a history and they were like, well, are you going to AA? Are you sober? And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I know Ohio's hell? bad. Right, right. But you're, with DMS, know, Department Ohio, of Family Services. Oh, yeah, Ohio is bad. But, so, you know, California is really bad. A cauliflower. I almost called California cauliflower. But anyway, um, California <laughs> is really bad, uh, too. It, we had um, Gene Woodford was on the board of Alcoholics Anonymous, um, I think maybe four years ago or something. At the time, she was appointed the head of the entire penal system of the uh, – yeah. Uh, she used to be um, the warden at San Quentin. And then she got promoted by Arnold Schwarzenegger when he, when he was governor. And I, I talked to her. I interviewed her on the phone. I was never, you know, a, an interview that wound up anywhere. But I spoke to her because I was so curious when I, I just knew that, like, how is this happening? You know, so what AA does is that the AA board goes after these really um, high-level professionals to infiltrate everywhere. And that really is not something new. Like, AA didn't grow as a grassroots. So this is another thing I found out from reading Marty Mann, first like really she was a high society woman so she was the first rich high society woman who got sober and she was a lesbian right, right. so that means bill you know wilson couldn't 13 step her because she didn't like men so that was uh. you know, their their bond was probably even greater and but the story is really like you know her connections he connected him to like henry ford and rockefeller and you know rockefeller didn't drink he thought you know alcohol was evil it's like mike pence like these other people i mean it's like, really, we're going to go back to the 30s, you know, the 40s, when you had people like Rockefeller who thought alcohol was evil and that so Alcoholics Anonymous was a fabulous thing. And I think knowing that, that if you really could get people to talk, that that book, the history of how it really got infested is through big corporations. It was not grassroots movement at all. What book are you referring to? Marty Mann's um, uh, biography. She's a woman, oh, Marty yeah. Mann. You know, what, you know what's so weird? When I was like just six months into making the movie, somebody anonymously sent me her book. Hmm. I don't know who it was, but somebody sent me her biography. And um, I really, my assistant read it, and we did notes, and, you know, we clipped notes, and we would just talk about it each each chapter as we were working on the movie, and I could not believe what I learned. She got together with the head of IBM, who was a drunk, who needed help. She helped him, and he gave her what would be worth in millions today to begin the um, National Council for Alcoholism and Education, which later became the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, which is just a front group for Alcoholics Anonymous to promote it everywhere. Fascinating. All that. I did reference uh, Marty Mann that I I was familiar with here, but not the details like that. You might really like the book. I mean, it's, you know, it's, yeah. Full of a lot of information that that explains, and she like went around at all the Rotary clubs speaking, like that silly mm. clip that's in my movie. That's at the Rot- at the first time I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, where is she talking? And then I looked up, and you, and you could see it in the clip. It said Rotary Club, and I'm like, oh my god. And then the other thing that it says in that clip, which I thought is so weird, you know, you see things over and over, and you really don't see everything. And then one time it said a new scientific approach. <laughs> that's how they were pitching <laughs> AA. It was oh, the Lord. latest scientific approach. You know, it was the most recent religious approach. It wasn't scientific. Yeah, yeah. And the big paper came out by uh, E.M. Jelinek, and he's the one who he surveyed a bunch of people with his uh, in the magazine, The Grapevine, and he threw out a bunch of them because they were women, and uh, they got much bunch of responses. So, you know, get rid of half of them, I think it was. But, wow. Uh, actually, I, it, it's rumored that Jelinek actually distanced himself from that work. 
they said, yeah, don't don't interfere with any more discoveries. And of course, that was completely forgotten and uh, disregarded. And they went on with that. Yeah, yeah. It also, somebody pointed it to me once that in the early '60s, and maybe it was Lance Doty's when we were talking, um, that there were a lot of um, uh, journalists that were calling it a cult, like it had some bad press. That's why yeah. they think they really needed to get, because um, it was probably getting more that way as Bill Wilson was stepping more away from it and, you know, it, using um, LSD to cure his depression because he was seriously depressed for like 15 years. Right. And um, right. so he was experimenting, and then what happened is the young people started using LSD to get high, and then the a board was like, oh, God, if if the whole world were to find out that our you know, fearless leader is really a hippie in a suit. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, a guy who really wants, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, how many people know this guy was experimenting with LSD and he actually stepped down from his position on the, on the board of directors so he could continue his research with the LSD. I mean, I you know, people really realize ever. that. Yeah, they just like to keep uh, it so quiet. But I think that, um, you know, with all, well, thank God for the internet. I mean, if you look at different things, like the people, whether it was, uh, you know, Warren Jeffs with um, Big Love. Big Love was on HBO, and then they, like, at the same time, the FBI had been, like, you know, really trying to get him, and he finally got him. He was arrested as that show was, like, one of the great shows on television. And then the Scientology thing, you know, I think really, Leah Remini is really giving them a run for their money, and really exposing them. And there's no way of shutting it down because Leah was went into there as a child. So um, there was nothing for her to really hide. Like she didn't have that, you know, that kind of stuff that, you know, other people went in and they filmed them now. I mean, at the beginning they just used to do their recordings. But um, I think that AA needs to be exposed in that huge way, like in a big show, you know, whether it's CNN or a&E or a, a major network, you know, it, it, you can't right. get away with it like this. I'm just really, it's upsetting that, you know, all I got was Amazon, but, you know, well, it's better than nothing. Yeah. I mean, you'd almost feel bad for some of these people, but they really, because, you know, their whole livelihoods are really inextricably linked to the continuation of AA. And it, mm-hmm. AA is such a sitting, it, it's a sitting duck right now. I mean, everybody, any smart person is criticizing it is doing so, who's had any kind of experience with it. And I I, I kind of came on late with it, too, with my little essay. But I, I'm glad I was able to put that out there. Yeah, go ahead. Do me a favor, though. When, after we finish talking and you get back to your computer, can you repost um, the link on my Facebook page? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, and, and even maybe go over to my Leaving AA blog, and um, we can post a link to it there. So, would you want to tell us more about what happened with DFS? Uh, I really don't, actually. Oh. <laughs> okay, no, it, we don't it, have to go there. It was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's going through the motions. It's almost over with now. It was fun enough because the thing was is that I had another group that I had to go report the meetings to, and that meeting was much more lively and much more uh, inter- interesting and uh, free-spirited, and mm-hmm. uh, you could talk talk a little more about it. Uh, so it wasn't so bad. I mean, you go to two meetings a week. Yeah. So what? What did you, did you participate in those meetings, Kevin, or did you just sit in the, you know, in the back? 
No, I did my part. I mean, I paid a quarter for my coffee, and it was done with no, that. No, no, I don't mean that. I'm not trying to, like, make you feel better or anything. I'm just trying to – I'm being, like, genuine. Like, did you – you know, because some people – like, if I had to go, I would be talking and giving them crap, you know what I mean? I would be, like – you couldn't shut me up there. I would be – but so were no, you quiet and just – or what did you do? I try to stay attack a turn and quiet as I can be. And No, I, I'm, I, I don't cause a ruckus unless somebody wants to go outside and – Smoke a cigarette <laughs> with me and just, just discuss the evils of the world. We can do that. But right, right. I mean, it's already happened in a couple of meetings. I'll stand up and start saying something like, okay, yeah, but we're having a meeting here. Can you get out? I don't want to be mm-hmm. rude to them. You know, if people get a benefit from it, you know, God willing, go for it. More luck mm-hmm. to you. But for mm-hmm. me personally, I think it's a waste of time. If anybody wants to hear me say that, then we can talk somewhere outside. Right, right. Hmm. Personally, I mean, I, I can cause a ruckus if I want to. But no, I, I don't mean causing I'm, a ruckus. I just mean some critical debate. You know, if you were there, like for some of us, it's kind of intolerable. But, you know, then again, like you were not somebody who went there on your own. So I think people who went there on their own, we kind of feel like we were schmucks, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, how did I believe this crap? But you never believed it. You know what I mean, Kevin? Yeah, right. And, and you can throw, put right. that on people, too. Like, I, I don't believe this at all. I'm just going through the motions. And if you talk to enough people, though, I mean, I, I hear enough, too. I, you know, AA is not for everybody. You hear that very often. I have heard it very often. Mm-hmm, like, you know, mm-hmm. but and then you know, just go through it. Like, okay, just, you know, fake it until you make it. Here, you know, sign my court card. I have also had my court card signed plenty of times or my other card just signed just by showing up and going outside and doing nothing. You know, that's, it's not like everybody goes, oh, there's a villain. There's plenty of decent people who are just like, I'll just try this right. out. Right, right. And, it's very uh, true. It's a social right. gathering, too. I mean, you just go there just to hang out with people. That happens often enough. And, and you know, sometimes the meetings outside last longer than the meetings inside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people have smoking cigarettes. You go outside one of those meetings, it's like, God damn, so many, so many cigarettes of tobacco smoke. It's like, God damn, <laughs> an ionosphere and shit. <laughs> it's terrible. But, you, <laughs> I mean, do you know that AA shrinking? Could what? you see it at all from? Well, I know it is from like meeting big meetings that were here. The Rodeo meeting shrunk from 300 to 30 people, um, and there are many meetings or clubhouses in the valley, deep in the valley, that don't exist anymore. A friend of mine told me. Um, you said uh, shrinking. About, I thought you said drinking. Shrink? <laughs> no, shrinking. Sh- <laughs> shrinking. Right. Shrinking. Yeah, like like from. So you went the first time in 13, and then you went another time in 16. Did you go in the same area or a different area? No, pretty much the same area. And I'm in my tour room because you can go pull up one of these sites over here that can give you all the main, the meeting listings. And uh, I, I made I toured around a little bit, but there's one over here in Covina that's been around for I think like 60 years. The Alano oh, Club. Oh, I know that place. Uh, yeah, the, what, yeah. Which club? Uh, the Alano Club is a 13. Six, uh, oh, there's a number to it too, but this, it's off a of second street. The Alano yeah, it's, club. it's it's a 202 Club or something or the. Yeah, 202. Yeah, that's it. It's a club that yeah. they came out when we did the Make A Safer Work. I went there. I actually went to that meeting. Really? Yeah. It's a, a, it was a women's a meeting, meeting there. Yeah. Yeah, they were they were really hostile towards us. <laughs> really? Yeah, they You're didn't. Well, I stood up and made an announcement about safety. So I guess they're women, you know, they want to be attacked <laughs> or something. But, yeah, they, they were I mean, pretty. I should, I should ask you. What 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 is the end goal here, Monica? I mean, do do you want AA to completely stop sending people to? Uh, I'm sorry, the, the courts to completely stop yes. sending people to. AA. That's yep. it. That's what we want to yeah. do. Yeah, I, and I got like so you know that 
that New York, the General Service Board, um, they did address safety in a you know very kind of weird AA way, but they did. Like there's a three-page. They they did discuss it on their last board meeting in January, and I did you know I keep calling them, or I just started to call them again in the in the winter and then January, and so there's that. You saw that safety letter, right? That they posted and yeah, sent out. Yeah, I did. That was last year, right? Yeah, no, that was January. That's in, in, in January, but but the, to the question that you're asking, so what I really want is no one ever sent there. Uh, no one, I don't care if you have a drinking problem, like you can't be sent to a religious organization that has never been unchanged since the 1930s, can't be forced to join um, a, any kind of organization by our federal government or we're in trouble. And so what that means is they have been doing it for 27 years already, been forcing people to join it. In fact, they've been doing it since the 70s, so it'd be 40 years to pilots, nurses, and doctors. So what we have is a situation where it's become a practice, and they've been actually forcing mass amounts of Americans in the millions per year to go to join an organization against their will. Um, a few will like it and join, right? But and I, So I want to stop any court ordering, and I want to especially say no violent or sex offender should ever be sent there. And neither should a citizen. And then the pilots and, and nurses and doctors. And I've already called the FAA. And the FAA was like, oh, well, let me check into that. And then they were like, oh, well, we don't do that. We offer them, you know, options. I'm like, no, you don't. Mm. No, you don't. You don't, don't offer that the HIPS program is 100% Alcoholics Anonymous, filled, run and filled with AA guys, pilots who are playing the game. Either they're believing it and they're brainwashed. Or they love it, okay? They can love it, but either. So that's what I want to do, and I'm not going to spend my whole life doing this, but I do think that I'm going to spend another... I mean, I want to make another film that has nothing to do with this, but I am going to be an activist, you know, where I want to make some change with some judges here in Los Angeles. If I can just make a change here, a dent here, and then with the pilots and the nurses, the doctors, I feel is even a bigger web. I don't even know who to call with the doctors. The American Medical Association, who's in charge? Maybe the right ASAM, right? The ASAM is the front for AA, AA doctors who, you know, we're going to play the game. Yeah. So that, I mean, that seems I mean, like you know a lot really big web. I don't mean, know. <laughs> but oh, I don't want to spend my whole I life. I got to do my part. Like, I got I got to suggest a book, you know, write a book. Maybe write a book? Who, me? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, write a book. Yeah, I think I need to write a book. I'm in a writing class right now, and I'm trying to see what I have to say. So I'm writing chapters right now. <laughs> see what's going awesome. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would you? Are you gonna post a thing now? Everybody who's listening, if you go onto Facebook, you can find me. But I won't let anybody be my friend on Facebook. So <laughs> not just anybody. <laughs> um, so if you really care about this stuff, you'll have to reach out to me and PM me, or you can try to come to like leaving AA on Facebook or say no. Let, let, me, let me give the names of groups that I, because I will not just let anybody be my friend. Um, the 13th Step, the film, you could post to me or say no to AA for DUI or what's another group, um, expose AA. Um, or you can send me an email through uh, the film, the 13th Step, the film. There is um, a contact uh, click on there and it will come, it, it gets forwarded to me, right? And I put it in there. But, um, yeah, I've I really enjoyed talking to you. I've enjoyed talking to you too, Monica. I've been, I've been envious, pay, paying attention to your international travels here, promoting your wonderful oh. film. It's awesome. Oh, it was fun. I got to tell you, Berlin was amazing, um, and uh, I got to meet one of the pilots because of that, and that was really cool. 
uh, and to be in another country where A is not so popular, Berlin, Germany, mm -hmm. no, no, not so popular. And I really like that. And London was fantastic uh, because it just is. It, AA is pretty big in the UK, and there's a lot of problems there. Like, I really should have gone there to film. Like, I could have been, it got easily international distribution, but there were some people who would like to help me make a part two possibly, and I, I don't know what will happen. But And then Richmond, yeah. Virginia was the last one that I'm going to do. I'm, I don't think I'm going to do any more. But, um, All right. Yeah. You're still receiving letters, though, from people, from victims of AA. Oh, my God. No yeah, doubt. yeah, yeah. Like every, maybe not every day, but almost every day. And then I get the haters, too. I get the, like, uh, I got one, I got one today. You want to hear it? Like, uh, it's really kind of funny. She hey was God, saying, oh, I'm sorry. oh, my God, it was blaming, like, the victim blaming. Uh, here it is, like, uh, AA saved their lives, and I God, portrayed AA. I have a newsflash for you. The bars, people drink are unsafe. I'm like, nobody's getting sent to a bar from a courthouse. Right, right. Like, you know, it's like, what is wrong with these people? Uh, the yeah. world is unsafe. People take responsibility. I want to say, yeah, then why doesn't AA take responsibility? You're always telling everybody to take their, AA tells everybody to take their own inventory. Why don't they take a, their own inventory and say, are Absolutely. we a good program? Are we good to people? Are we safe? Are we doing the best we can? There's so many things they could ask themselves, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, if they really want to be on our side here, just just make some kind of statement. Have the court stop sending people, stop signing the damn court cards. Then they can be right. completely self-organized. They can they can processize, processize as much as they want, and they can go out and help people as much as they want. But as long as the courts continue to send people inside there, it should not be respected. Right, right. Not. I mean, I tell you, I went to the Marina Center, which is uh, in a part of Culver City that's in West L.A., and uh, it's part of my research, and I brought my assistant with me, and um, you could see, and, and I could really see this from the time I left in 2011 until we, we went and did this, which was probably in 2014. There were all these young guys in the back who you could tell were court-ordered, and none of them were buying into it, and they were, right. like, cracking up, and they were acting up, and I was like, damn, like, these guys are, they're like us on the blog, but they're sitting in these meetings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You really yeah. have to respect, and I've heard this from several people too, like, well, we can't help the people who really want to be here, who maybe want some kind of spiritual or godly uh, assistance with this, because we have to deal with everybody else. Too. Our time, our resources are devoted to other people's jobs. Mm -hmm. so I've, I've heard it from a couple of people. Like, well, you know, the, the, courts, the, the courts and the rehab send so many people inside here. It's like, well, we're sending so many where we have to uh, devote this time for this person to sign court cards, and people don't want to do that. Right. I think that that's one thing that people – there are people in AA who um, think that what's, you know some of the things that I said in the film are right on, and they do want to stop it. But the funny thing is the AA people don't feel empowered. And when I called New York on it, I spoke to this one woman. She said, well, we sent that out to the group Conscience, and it came back that they didn't care. And I was like, you're so full of shit. There is no way that you got the group Conscience because only 55 – Groups that you know have a GSR there once a month. That the rest of the meetings are not represented. Why don't you do something on the internet and take a vote? You'll find that most people do not want that. You could stop that mm. so quickly if you did a vote today on the internet. Most AA members, I believe, could be wrong, but I believe that they would vote no. We don't want it. Make your own meeting in the courtroom and let AA volunteers go down there and smart recovery volunteers and harm reduction and moderation management volunteers have a meeting in the courthouse like they do for, um, for MAD, which is a good program. It's a four-hour class, and you have to see a video, and you get to hear what happens when you kill somebody. 
um, when you're drunk driving. And, you know, those families, you know what I mean? Like, there's a way to fix it. Yeah. There's a way to fix yeah. it. But um, I'm, And I, there are, you know, like what I say to people who, when we really rant about AA, I said, look, we were all once AA members, and we're nice. Everybody's not an asshole that's in AA. Everybody is not a predator, right? But but they have to fix it. They can't be a nonprofit and just say, well, we don't, we're different, we're special, we're this thing. No, you're not. You're a fucking yeah, We nonprofit. have no opinion on all this, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, we have no opinion. On, but it's not an outside issue. Somebody's grabbing my ass in the meeting. <laughs> you know, somebody said you have nice tits and, and well, I'm grabbing my coffee. Like, get out of here. You're so full of shit. Like, just get honest with yourself, you guys. But that's, whole, that's the other part about a cult. Like, if you, I'm watching the show The Path. Are you watching that show on, on, on Hulu? Oh, man, this show, I'm so hooked on it. But it's like that's the whole thing with like, oh, and we're running out of seconds, um, so I better shut up and we'll talk about it another time. But <laughs> I want to thank you. We've been talking to Kevin here in Los Angeles, Kevin Patton in Los Angeles, California. And I want to thank you, Kevin, and we'll talk again soon. I'm Monica Richardson. This is Block Talk Radio Safe Recovery, and we're going to have more shows uh, coming up soon. Thank you, Monica. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Good night. All right, good night. Good night, everybody. Take care.